Welcome to Season 2 of the Development Locker Podcast, where we progress to the how, where we aim to continue your development throughout the 2021-2022 season and start to proactively prepare you for your transition come the end of the season. Over the next 12 months, we will cover a variety of topics that you, the listener, have voted for taking ownership of your own development and transitional needs and those of other academy players and graduates. This podcast is a free platform that aims to put you, the person behind the player, at the forefront of everything we do, so that we may enhance your academy experience via our guidance, advice and support on a weekly basis. Each week, we invite guests to tell us their stories, share their experiences, so that you can take on board key messages that will positively impact your future. Our objective is to cover the basics well, provide you with the additional 1% in a variety of areas and give you an opportunity to continue your lifelong development as you transition through the academy system towards fulfilling your aspirations of becoming a professional football player and living a fulfilled life after football. These are your chosen episodes. This is your interview from The Locker. back did you miss us of course you did we'll dry your eyes as we bring you another episode that completes our alternative program topic today's guest has experience of being in the academy system is researching the needs of current academy players and supports the transition of academy graduates too Niall is a unique individual he will no doubt tell during this episode how passionate he is about the development and transition of football players He has a proactive attitude towards preparing for the next phase of players' careers and he's someone who is at the heart of the supportive networks available to you, our listeners. This one is certainly worth the wait and your journey continues right here, right now. This is his story. This is your interview from The Locker. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of the Development Locker podcast, interviews from the Locker. And this week, we have a unique guest. So, normally, we bring you a guest who is pigeonholed or has an expertise area, uh, in specific area, sorry. But this week, we have somebody who has experience and knowledge and expertise in a number of areas. So, welcome, Niall. You okay? Hello, Lee. Yeah, I'm great. Thanks. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad. At this stage, I would normally do a kind of all singing, all dancing introduction, but it's difficult to know because you do specialise in quite a number of areas. So how would you best introduce yourself and what you essentially offer academy football, academy players? <laughs> um, well, I would announce myself as a sports consultant and a PhD student as well with us, you know, as expertise or speciality with career trends. Um, yeah, like in terms of my pathway up until today, I, I used to play football myself. Uh, used to be good, I like to say. But um, yeah, you know, from school, uh, you know, went to the academy for two years. And to be honest, I was one of those players that knew that I wasn't going to make it. But the problem was 
what else would I do? I didn't have any idea, you know, what was next for me or what I was potentially good at. And, you know, it took me a bit of a while for me to really, really focus in on, you know, some skills that would be able to allow me to get into a career that I wanted to do. So, um, you know, I got released and I actually went to university. Luckily enough, I got enough qualifications whilst at the academy to allow me to get into a sports and exercise science uh, course. But for three years, I still didn't know what I was doing whilst I was at university. It was almost like a stopgap or, you know, just something I was trying to do, you know, in the meantime, you know, I was still playing semi-professionally and hoping that I could get into the football ranks. But, you know, the more I went to university, the more I realised that it's not actually going to happen for me. And um, after I finished university, I got my degree in sport and exercise science, like I said, and I decided to step into the big wide world of work, you know, wanting to earn a bit of money and whatnot. And, you know, I started work as a broker, I worked in recruitment and I, you know, I had a, a degree of success, I'd say, but it wasn't as enjoyable as, you know, playing football, but whatever really is going to be as enjoyable as that. But um, luckily what happened was I had an old tutor of mine at my old university who kind of said, you know, you've got a unique story and a story that's not really been told nowadays. Um, you know, we hear a lot about people being released from academies and we hear negative stories, but you've kind of almost got a, a positive story. And I wasn't aware of it myself that, you know, whilst playing football helped me, you know, become, you know, uh, I'd say someone you know, who was in academia and also was able to get jobs when I finished football. So, you know, having to go back and go to university and pick up my master's degree, I was able to look at certain things within my history that allowed me to attain these positions of, you know, when I was working or being in academia. So i done my master's undergrad, uh, post-grad thesis in uh, the career transition of athletes once they finished playing at the academy. And, you know, speaking to old peers of mine and, you know, people that I knew within the football industry, it seemed that we all had similar paths or similar experiences when it came to, you know, being at the academy and trying to find our next option when we weren't, we realised we're not going to make it in football. And so, you know, I wrote my master's in that and, you know, went to the University of Leicester and they really didn't like what the work I was doing. And they offered me a chance to do a, a PhD studentship. And uh, that kind of led on to what I'm doing today, which is I'm actually doing my PhD, looking at the career transitions of schoolboy athletes. As they go from yeah. schools to the academy to professional football. So that's what I'm currently at right now. Yeah, that's all good. And hence why we got you on this episode for the alternative uh, alternative options for academy players. So you mentioned your experiences there in academy football can you expand on that what was your individual experience of being in that in the system in that environment um you know my experience well you know i went uh, i think when i was at school what happened was i got released from the academy that i wanted to go to and an academy that i believed that you know would set me up for a long time and i had to I probably didn't have all the facilities that i wanted and what i found with my experiences there was that once i you know, I was fully committed into playing football, so I didn't really look at anything else. I didn't really look at any other of the alternative courses that they had or any other options. So it was literally just train every day. You know, you would have a, some college on a Wednesday, but at the same time, you'd kind of really care about it. And, you know, you just want to make sure that you're performing so that you get in the team for Saturday and hopefully, you know, a first team coach will be looking at you and hopefully pull you into the squad, you know, by some miracle but you know I think 
near enough, every single day that went past, it kind of dawned on me that it's not going to happen. But like I said before, I didn't know what else there was out there for me. So I was almost, didn't believe I was going to make it, but because I didn't have any other options, I just blindly went through the process. And I, you know, for me, that was something that made me do the work that I'm doing now. It's like, you know, I see how much potential you have academy. So that's the likes of you know resilience that you're building up, you're building up organization, management, you've got discipline, you know, certain aspects that when I went to university, my peers didn't have. I was kind of uh, I was I'd say a lot more advanced in certain areas than you know the people I went to university with. They may have a bit more knowledge regarding certain subjects and topics in, in academia, but in terms of you know personal development you know, in organising myself and, you know, sticking to a plan and, you know, being disciplined, I was, you know, streets ahead. And I wanted to really just see how we could highlight these skills at the academy and also just push young players through the process right away, as opposed to when they leave the academy and having this, as I'd say, you know, a very difficult transition to find out what they want to do next. Yeah, yeah so it's very good. And it's also good that you do a, a more proactive uh attitude rather than a reactive one so yeah you set a great example there so you mentioned your PhD so tell us a little bit more about that in terms of what it actually is and ultimately what you aim to achieve by completing that study. Uh, well um, what I'm hoping to achieve well I'll give well we're still finding out the title the thesis the title of the thesis sorry um, but what we are looking at is the support networks of young athletes as they go from school, so you know from 11 to 16, to they go into the professional ranks, which you know technically can be started off as the apprenticeship. So that's 16 to 18s and up to the 23s. I want to look at the support networks and how they advise young athletes, you know, in their pursuit of being a professional athlete or footballer in this case. So you know the support network will in, compromises of parents, coaches, teachers at school. Uh, their peers, family, friends, and just to see how, you know, we know football's quite a, a very cutthroat sport. It's a cutthroat industry. And, you know, a lot of the people that are looking after these youth athletes, they know that themselves. But what I want to find is how do the support networks advise these players? Like what type of advice do they give them? They encourage them to do other things, how, or do they even encourage them to do other things? You know, what type of pressures are on the young athlete at such a young age? Uh, because this is one of the only industries where, at the age of sixteen, there's so much pressure on a youngster. You know, if you you go into you know the work industry, other than the corporate industry, there's no one at that age that has this much pressure, and that they only have two years to make everything happen. So we want to look at how that affects the players mentally, how that affects. You know, what type of societal factors, you know, push a 16-year-old to, you know, perform better and what makes them perform better and what makes them perform worse? And what I'm hoping to do is hopefully influence some policies with the PFA, the FA, you know, anyone that overlooks any type of, you know, professional football to see how we can help the youth coming through. And also players, when they get to the professional ranks, how, you know, why we can see certain behaviours you know, are, are present. Yeah, no, I mean, you talk about behaviours there. I mean, from from my personal experience, not saying this is right across the board of all academy uh, football or all academy scholars and players, but this seems to be an engagement issue in terms of, you know, 
whether it's down to behavior, a cultural thing, you know, why, why do you feel that, you know, listeners now will be, will be listening to this who probably want to tap into some of those alternative programs, are probably intrigued of what other options are out there. Why do you believe that they don't act upon it or they're not as proactive as they should be in regards to some of these options? Um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, and let's be honest, you know, what is greater than being a professional? Um, you know, we've got these lads who have been told that they're going to be great, you know, footballers from the age of about some about nine years old, and they've been at the academy, they've been training, they've got family and friends saying how amazing they are. And, you know, you've actually made it through, you know, if I'm talking in a, in a perspective of a, of a young footballer, you've made it to the academy, you've been given an apprenticeship where you can seize every goal that you've ever wanted. So now is the time to really fully engage at football. And so when someone comes in with an alternative career, in your mind, you're thinking, no, nah, I need to make sure I put everything into football. I want to make sure that I take this opportunity and, you know, maximise it to the best of its abilities. And I'd say, you know, this has been an issue throughout, the, you know, every time the academies, you know, since the inception of the academies, that, coaches, you know, players, family, they put everything on football and they disregard everything else. But now that we've got like a dual career type of setup with regards to the PFA and, you know, extra careers and extracurricular activities, I think now is the time that we can start seeing engagement rise in terms of that just because you were doing a course doesn't mean that you're not fully engaged in football. And I think that is starting to slowly come into play now is that before I, you know, even in my own experiences, I did believe that you know, if doing some more extra work at the library as opposed to extras on the football pitch, I'm probably just you know, do myself a disservice and probably won't be getting the pro at the end of my final year. And you know, I tell you know, after speaking to a lot of my peers, it was almost like that's how we felt like we had to show that we were all in. Whereas I think now the attitude's changing, so you know, with regards to making sure that we're engaged in other things. You know, our engagement in an in a activity outside of football is not going to discredit our engagement within football. Yeah, no, valid points there, valid points there now. So in terms of, we, you've touched upon, you know, all the other aspects that you do, you know, tell us a little bit more about the educational support that you potentially can offer academy players who are wanting to be proactive and wanting to be curious, like we've just said about some of the alternative options that are out there? Well, um, I'm currently running an initiative called Shoot to Score. And basically what that is, it's a media skills initiative. So it is for people or any footballer that has an interest in making documentaries or you know, content. Uh, yeah. We've actually been able to get people on intro courses all the way up to university. So, you know, if you want to go to university and study a media course, this type of initiative will help you, walk, you know, obviously doing all the courses will take you there. Um, you know, what we've seen nowadays is that YouTube, Instagram videos, stories, being able to create your own content is pretty key, not just for your own personal life, but also professionally, you know, any job that you want now, having a skill to produce and create content, direct content, shoot content, edit content, will stand you in good stead. So what we've done, I've teamed up with the London Film Academy and also the British Film Institute, and we're providing courses for apprentices, uh, you know, up and down the country and also clubs. Luckily, the LFE, 
we've put they've put us under the life skills umbrella, which is going to be fantastic. And so from this season on, you know, any player that wants to, uh, you know, get into media full time, so that be that could be they want to finish their career and go into media, or you know, you want to have it alongside your career, you know. Again, we've seen influx of. And video blogs where they're shot from the perspective of the athlete, and these are very, very interesting and groundbreaking pieces of film. So, hopefully, what we'll be doing over the next few years is, you know, getting into the academies, getting a lot of the players' insights, getting them developed, getting them qualified, and then hopefully we'll be releasing some content to the next generation to see what it's actually like as a, you know, a youth academy player. <laughs>
you know, it's great that you're going to be on board. It's great that you're going to be really at the heart of supporting academy scholars proactively, as well as you know those who are you know about to get released or have just been released. So yeah, it, it's good news all around that one. It's almost a perfect link up between between the two, and I'm sure myself and our listeners will look forward to kind of following your progress and how how you uh, achieve you know, a greater transitional support for some of these players. So, yeah, it's all, all looking good for the future. So, in terms of the academy system, um, there's obviously pros and cons to it. You've been a part of it. You've seen it firsthand. You're now involved in a different capacity within the academy system. If I had to give you a magic wand where you could get rid of one aspect, um, sorry, of keep one aspect, but also to bring one in a new type of initiative program you know one rule so let's go with the positive first so if you had a magic wand and you could bring in one thing that you believe would massively change how the academy system is and how the transitional support of these players what would it be and why yeah um the positive the positive aspect i'd keep i think you know it's the camaraderie it's the you know it's the being in every day with like-minded people, you know, you know, being mentally and physically fit, you know, being able to train every day, eating the right things and having a goal to, to work towards, you know, that's something that, that once I left the academy that I really did miss, you know, it was, you know, you don't realise how great it is until, you know, you're actually out of it. But, you know, knowing every day that you're pushing yourself to be the best person you can be, you know, you're being looking after your body, you're looking after your mind, you know, you're getting the right rest and, you know, you've got a goal, like I said, that everyone around you is pushing towards. Now, obviously, it's quite cutthroat and everyone wants that contract at the end of the day. But, you know, when you're looking at your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it is all, you know, geared towards bettering yourself and, you know, a result. And I think when you have purpose in life, that is when life, you know, you you, you get, you see the beauty, the beauty in life, you know, not to be poetic, but you know, definitely that's something that, you know, I believe is something great. And I, I see it with myself and people that, you know, did go to the academy, having that type of discipline, that resilience, that structure built in early, it does, you know, you take it to different aspects of, you know, careers, relationships, you, you know, you do see benefits from it. So that's one thing that definitely changes the day-to-day camaraderie of you know the academy um if we're going to the negativity uh, what would change about you know negative about the academy yeah. it's almost that you know it's, it's pretty cliche but it's being released it's you know you're almost mollycoddled for two years you know you're living in a bubble you like i said you've got this amazing type of lifestyle you know you're with like-minded people you know you've got access to so many things and then just like that some days it's gone for you and you know, not only that, but you're not, like the club's almost washed with you, you know, you can't go back to the club, you know, you've just got the memories of, you know, the great things that happen at the club, but there needs to be something whereby, you know, there's almost like a parachute, almost like a, a safety net, so that once you are released, you know, there, it's not just, you know, you're, you're cast asunder and outside of the bubble, you need to be let down gently, you need to be made sure that you are in every sense, you know, it's not just exit trial. You know, your portfolio for the little courses that you've done over the year, they're having the boxes checked. There needs to be like a pathway constructed and not just one, maybe, you know, two, three, four different pathways. And I think, you know, it'd be good to kind of almost, I know it's a lot of extra work for people that work at the academies, but 
you know, maybe almost a year after being released, they should almost have a club should be responsible for what happens to that player once they're released the year after. If they're picked up by another club, then you're 100%, you know, it should be the other club's responsibility. But however, if a player is released and they're, you know, bouncing around the semi pro levels or they're going to work or going to university, there should be that aftercare for a minimum of a year just finding out how they're getting on. Yeah, I mean, in terms of aftercare, I mean, where, where do you stand? I mean, we've talked about that a couple of times, and as you know, I'm, I'm quite passionate about that. But where do you stand on that in regards to? So we've mentioned alternative careers. You know, we, we've you said you again, you've gone into the big wide world of work, but those systems aren't there for your average Joe, should we say? Yeah. So, you know. Why should they be there for, for academy players? Now, I'm certainly not saying they shouldn't be, yeah. but, you know, for, for our listeners, you know, why, why should they be there? And what, what does that actually bring in terms of positivity and support for academy players who do get released? Um, because like, coming back to what I was saying earlier, um, at the age of 16 to 18, where, you know, you're developing, everyone develops at different stages, of course. But when you're thrusted into the setup of an academy at 16 to 18, you know, doing a career that you love, you know, with so much on the line, you've almost, you know, sacrificed certain aspects of your personal development to go for this goal, you know, of being a professional footballer. So what happens is that, you know, you've sacrificed so much, you know, you've got rid of some aspects of your development to just be released into, you know, the big wide world where certain people's developments have Probably, and I'm not going to say that, I don't want anyone to think that, you know, you're not developed as much as someone who, who hasn't been at the academy, but there's going to be certain aspects that are not going to be as developed as someone that's outside of there. And to expect that person who hasn't developed in a similar way to other people to, you know, compete against the, these people without, you know, in, in terms of jobs, in terms of getting into university, to, you know, be put out there just to compete without any type of guidance or any type of help it really does put, you know, the young footballer at a disadvantage. Now, it can, you know, it can literally be a matter of, you know, just checking in with an email saying, you know, what are you doing? What are you up to right now? In terms of, you know, uh, you know, advising some type of counselling service or psychological, you know, testing. I was actually linked up with a university called Metanoia, who are actually looking into the psychoanalysis of, you know, youth players being released. And there's some crazy, crazy differences from a, a youth player being released to, a youngster who's just going to university at the age of 18. And so there's certain ways that they will process information or process hardships that an 18-year-old who hasn't been to the academy will, won't, sorry. So, you know, we can't almost disregard the, I'd say, you know, some of the things that the academy has done to a We need to be aware of, you know, what it does to a player must help them through. It's going to be difficult, of course, to hold you know, youth players hand throughout, you know, life because everyone's going to have difficulties. Everyone's going to, you know, come into times in life where it is going to be quite difficult. But I think for that little period where they've just been released at such a crucial age, I believe just having someone check in, having someone take care of how they're applying for jobs, what they're looking to do, how they're feeling emotionally, you know, we be a benefit. Yeah, no, they're, they're all very valid points and, yeah, they're, they're the perfect examples of why there needs to be more to, to support academy players, why, you know, it's not should, should be a case of 
wait until they've left, wait until they've been released to do that. You know, you're, you're singing off the exact same hymn sheet as me in terms of the proactive <laughs> nature of doing that, you know, before, well before that those conversations are even had about being released or not being yeah. offered a contract and, and the like. So, yeah, and I mean, those are all valid reasons and you've set it perfectly in terms of the picture of why these programmes need to be in place because they are a unique kind of set uh, cohort, as it were, in terms of other other professions out there. So, like you said, you know, the being involved in the academy system does deny these young people, you know, a lot of normality. They're travelling to and from training three or four times a week, straight from school in the car, eating, training, take on board post-match meal, get home, bed, wake up, repeat. So, yeah, it's, it's a very difficult life to lead. So, in terms of everything that you talked about, you know, it's been amazing. It's been great to chat with you. Where can people find you, reach out to you if they want to discuss some of these topics, you know, in more detail? Yeah, of course. I'm always open, you know, for anyone to reach out and get hold of me. Um, you can find me at, I've got a website, it's nsimsconsult.com. So, you know, all one word, nsimsconsult.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, the one Nile Sims, at the one Nile Sims, I should say. And yeah, you know, LinkedIn Nile Sims as well. I'm, you know, pretty easy to contact. Yeah, we'll put those details on the website as well. So, yeah, so any listeners who want to reach yeah, out and get yeah, with Niall, we'll put those on our website so you can easily find him and reach out and, and pester him and, uh, yeah, hopefully <laughs> uh, get get uh, a better support package than what you're getting already at this moment, even if it's just a conversation. Just of course, hey, even a there. simple conversation about, you know, mental well-being, about, you know, career transition, prospects, anything, you know, I'm here to help. Brilliant. And then, to finish off in terms of one piece of advice, so whether that's for, you know, it might change between the age groups and the phases, but have you got one piece of advice for an academy player who's, you know, 16, about to be, or has just been released and he's looking for alternatives? Is that a same piece of advice for an academy scholar who's been released at the age of 18? A piece of advice I'd give... I would always say, be your best self, you know? And what I mean by be your best self is in every situation, aim to put your best foot forward. You know, you, what you've done, you know, if you've been released from an academy, you've had the training that you can be, you can go into any other industry, you know, in terms of the work rate, the resilience that you've developed, the mindset that you've developed, you know, the, the working towards a purpose or working towards a goal, that is easily transferable and relatable to any industry. But what you've got to make sure is that you just put your effort in, you know, make sure that you listen to what is said to you. You know, you make sure that you listen to what's said to you. You make sure that you do your ultimate in everything. You put your best foot forward and you can't be denied. You know, if you hang back, if you don't believe in yourself, that's when you don't get to where you need to be. You know, you are good enough. You can do it and you will do it. Just make sure you're your best self in every situation. Perfect. Put it in better myself. So, yeah, that's good. Thanks for taking the time now. It's been great to talk to you. I'm sure our listeners will have got plenty from it. And, you know, again, I'll repeat that the, the reason for getting you on here is, you know, normally we get one guest. If we need to cover a number of topics, we get two or three guests on. You're unique in the fact that you've got many fingers in many pies, should we say. And it's probably a better <laughs> professional term than that. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure you know what I mean. And, yeah, I, I know you're equally as passionate as I am in terms of supporting academy players moving forward. I know you'll do some great work with the LFE. I know you'll continue to do the great work with the alternative education programmes, your consultancy and all the other bits, as well as your PhD. It'll be intriguing to see what results come off the back of that 
and how we as the supportive networks for academy players can change how we work to better support the transition of academy players. So thank you for your time today now. It's been very much appreciated. Of course, Lee. Thank you very much. We're just getting started. <laughs> I love that. We'll use that as a hashtag. <laughs> All right, see you later, Lee. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Bye. Hashtag, we're just getting started. Love that by now. Nile is approachable, non-judgmental, and someone who's at the cutting edge of what is going on right now in football. So there's nobody better to support existing players, those who have left their sport for pastures new, than Niall himself. Be sure to check out our website for the necessary contact details uh, if you want to reach out or you just want to follow from afar on the work that he's doing at academy level through his PhD and his work with the League Football Education. Be sure to tune in next week where we switch focus onto pre-season. Over the next month, we bring you a series of episodes that aim to inform you, support you and expose you to different ways to prepare for the season ahead. First up, we cover the world of one-to-one -one coaching, an emerging and growing market that aims to add value to the coaching and technical work you do at your academy. We bring you guests, both coach and player, who offer and engage in these services, so you can hear firsthand of whether this is for you and whether this could be the difference between you hitting the ground running once the season restarts. Don't forget to put forward your questions to the guests on the upcoming episode. Be sure to access our questions form on our various social media platforms and remember to give our Instagram account for exclusive footage and information related to each episode of July. See you next week and thanks for listening. listening i hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I look forward to you joining us next week when we bring you another interview from the locker be sure to follow this podcast to access the latest episodes and make sure you share these interviews with your friends family teammates and anyone you feel will benefit from the episodes look out for behind the scenes footage on our instagram page for more information on our facebook page and be sure to give us a follow on twitter too don't forget to access our website for up-to-date resources as well as contact details for all our guests who appear on the podcast from week to week. All these details can be found in the About section on the podcast platform you have accessed this episode from. We look forward to you joining us next week in listening to more interviews from The Locker. <laughs>